You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Welcome to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. I'm your co-host, Brandon Ware, here with my lovely other half, Dr. Jess. It's been a little while since we've been together on the podcast. Yeah, I wasn't sure if I was allowed to introduce myself as the co-host. Because <laughs> you've been MIA. I have. I have so much going on right now. I've been on the road all year, but I am not on the road. I am in self-isolation. Duo, We're in duo isolation right now. Back in Toronto, we uh, have been traveling, and upon returning to the country, we've been asked to stay in our homes for 14 days. So we are currently on day two of our self-isolation. My activity count on my Apple Watch is low. Oh, that's goals for me to keep my steps down. Is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> Mine's it's embarrassingly low how little I've done my movement. But hey, it's what we need to do. So yeah, with this uh, global pandemic, we are staying home. It's pretty disruptive to our schedules. Uh, obviously, there are a range of stresses that, you know, we're personally experiencing at this moment. So being asked to stay home for 14 days, of course, for someone like me who doesn't even want to stay in the same city for 14 days, I kind of freaked out for a hot second. And then I realized that it's very little to ask of me. There was a moment. I just saw this fear in your eye (laughs) and it passed very quickly when you understood what needed to be done and why, but you were like, I got to stay home for how long? What? Yeah. And it's not warm in Toronto and I try and avoid Toronto for the cool months. And I'm very lucky to get to do that. So I have to say I'm I'm lucky to be home. Uh, We live in a a fairly small home downtown Toronto and my dad lives with us. But because we have been traveling and my dad is high risk, he's 77 years old today, actually, we've moved him into a place at the corner and he's also sick. So he should be self-isolating, but he refuses to. And that's a whole other story altogether, which is part of why I'm so stressed today. (laughs) A little tightness in the chest from all the things going on. Exactly. Yeah. There's just so much going on. I mean, tensions are high in so many different ways. And so today we're bringing on a guest to help us out with some of these tensions to help us figure out how to manage social isolation or what people are calling quarantine and yeah, how to get through it with yourself, with a partner, with loved ones. I, I have to say, obviously, I'd like my dad here with us because I know I can help in more ways. And at the same time, being in the space with Brandon alone is a lot easier than being in this space with with an extra person. Yeah, I mean, I'm we're, we're a couple days in and so far it's going well. <laughs> I'm not even remotely concerned about getting through the next two weeks of isolation self-quarantining. But I would imagine that if you, I mean, if your father or if, if my father-in-law was here, it would, it would add another layer. And if I had children, if I had pets, if I had other responsibilities, other stresses, it, it would be a lot to deal with right now. So joining us today to discuss ways to manage self-isolation and social isolation during this pandemic is Jake Ernst, a writer and therapist uh, with a particular interest in exploring and sharing lived experiences. Jake is interested in unexplored feelings, unprocessed trauma, and unmet attachment needs in childhood as catalysts for mental unhealth and unwellness. Now, we're both in Toronto, but we're a ways away from each other. Thank you so much for joining us. 
You're so very welcome. I'm so happy to be here. Now, I know this is a really stressful time for everyone. Not only are tensions high because we feel a threat to our physical well-being, but our schedules and our routines are highly disrupted. Our social interactions are limited or eliminated. Many of us are cooped up. We're on edge over the uncertainty of how this all will unfold. I think there's frustration with the perhaps conflicting information we're seeing out there. And I'm sure you're seeing this in your practice. But yesterday, you posted about how to manage social distancing and social isolation and creating your own quarantine. So the team that supports you through this time alone. Can you walk us through what that might look like? Yeah, of course. So uh, so like you said, uh, you know, quarantine is just a name that I came up with. And not only do I love a pun, but I also just love something that's so <laughs> practical. I like something that's so practical and very uh, solution focused and results oriented. And so, um, you know, during this moment of social distancing, I, I became kind of worried because I was thinking, you know, um, in our desire to limit physical proximity, I was just worried about the effects that that might have on our mental health, especially for people um who are specifically uh, challenged by by social isolation and, and which is a large number of us like let's just you know kind of name that um, and so I was I was trying to put together a way that we can maintain some semblance of social connection and some uh, forms of emotional distance keeping um, while we are trying to keep our physical distance and so I was really uh, interested in really defining kind of and getting down to the nitty-gritty of what social distancing actually means and, and should and could look like. Um, and it's really easy to sort of hear social distancing and mean that, you know, everyone needs to kind of lock themselves in one bedroom and uh, not talk to anyone and, you know, uh, isolate yourself as a, as a way of keeping yourself safe and, and uh, healthy during these really difficult and bumpy times. And so I developed this idea of a quarantine and it's something that I came up with as a way for us to, again, uh, continue that social and emotional connection that that we as humans need and, and actually require in order to stay healthy uh, and to stay well. And so basically the quarantine, again, like you said, is is a group of people that you can rely on for comfort and to soothe any of that, those big feelings of panic actually set in when there's periods of heightened stress at any point in our life. And so, you know, really, I, I think it's important to name the fact that, uh, you know, while there is this global pandemic that's happening, you know, we this is just represents us a larger uh, period for us as people who just have natural human responses to stress. And that's really what this is. It's just a greater period of stress for us. So, so how many people do you have as a part of your team? Like if I'm putting together a team, how many people, how many people on my line do I need to have? I am a big advocate for as many people as you can, you know, kind of manage. I think that, um, probably, 20 is probably too many. Um, think, 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 think about uh, who you would invite to your immediate social gatherings and really what you're going to try to do is to transfer uh, those into just a different setting. So maybe it's a virtual setting or maybe it's a phone call. Um, maybe it's, um, you know, going for a walk and talking to someone on the phone, like that kind of thing, right? And so really what I was hoping to really emphasize is that, you know, there are many creative ways that we can uh, continue to live a healthy lifestyle while also balancing the stress that comes along with being a part of this global, global pandemic. Of course, you know, uh, announcements are always changing and, you know, the, the effects of this, the virus are changing day to day. And so, of course, that doesn't mean that you have to compromise all, all of the, the laws and the rules that are put in place for your specific area. So, um, 
what are some other ways and creative ways that we can uh, still maintain that social, that physical uh, and social distance, but then also uh, improve our social and emotional connections. I, I I laugh as you said. Think about who you'd have on your team. Jess, her immediate <laughs> social circle. There'd be like thirty people. I would have right. I, I would have right. no one but six dogs. So right. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm just kidding. I, I there are a few people, but there's a. You made a really good point just about how many people you'd normally have around you, and extending that uh, to your virtual network. I think that that's a really good point to drive home. Yeah. And so if you think about it in terms of like you're drafting your all-star team, like who are you calling upon, right? Who are these people? It's probably your your closest friends and your closest family members. And then probably also some maybe distant friends and distant family members as uh, required, right? And so again, you're not trying to, you know, just reach out to people for the sake of reaching out to people. I, I encourage people to be very intentional about uh, what that team looks like and um, who, uh, what role each person on that team is playing for you. And so maybe for some people, uh, their partner maybe fulfills a certain uh, emotional need for them, but that, that they can't get from friends, for example. And so uh, those are just some, one example, of course, of, of ways that we can be very intentional about who's on that team. You know, I, I think that for people who are accustomed to being connected via technology, like me, uh, this isn't as much of a shift because I'm on the road all the time. I stay connected to the people I'm closest with, including Brandon, Online. So the other day, for example, I was supposed to have a meeting with Marla Rennie Stewart, who's a co-author, and we just decided to hang out on Zoom. And we just kind of hung out for an hour and a half the way we would have had we gone and gotten a drink together. And then I was thinking about, um, you know, I live in this community. So we live downtown Toronto and we're very close with our neighbors. And Brendan and I are actually in social isolation as opposed to, um, what's the other one? like quarantining ourselves yeah no we're not allowed out for 14 days because we were overseas um so you are like in quarantine yeah so we uh, my neighbor actually just messaged me and said i'm going to the grocery store do you need anything and in so i I gave her my things that i want and in addition to that she doesn't have a car so she just took my car right so she i didn't need to see her she just went we put the keys in the mailbox and she grabbed it and so we're kind of lucky to have that team around us. But I think about other people who maybe don't have as big of a team. So my father, for example, is 77 years old, and I'm pretty much his team, which puts a lot of pressure on me, especially because he refuses to listen to me at this time. (laughs) Um, But and I was thinking about it this morning, because I was feeling really overwhelmed by it. And I just realized that I'm not like a lifesaver, right? I can't keep pulling someone out of the deep end if they can't swim and they're just going to keep jumping back in. So you mentioned do a hobby with someone over video chat. You said you can read, paint, play video games, watch a movie. I kind of love that. And I noticed that with my younger, younger cousins in their teenage years, sometimes they're on FaceTime or WhatsApp video with their friends and you don't even know they're there. They're just kind of like sitting there. (laughs) Yeah. Have you observed that with younger people? I definitely have. I actually, I work with a lot of young people and uh, there's a lot of people that even just do study groups online and just sort of, so a lot of them like you, like you are accustomed to, you know, virtual ways of uh, staying connected with people, but then also uh, not having to think so closely about like the physical proximity piece. Um, and so, yeah, I, I see many people who are forming study groups online, just like in our day to day. And so uh, I think that the people who have the most challenges with it are um, of course, people who aren't accustomed to using technology as a way of staying connected, but then also people who are naturally more isolated, right? And um, 
that that's really challenging, right? Because I think it really tests our uh, our own capacities to support one another. And so, of course, we have to uh, support ourselves first, so that we are available to support other people. And part of, and of course, part of the challenge with that is is being able to balance what is in my control and what is out of my control. You know, and so. Uh, like many situations, like perhaps the one with your father, there are many pieces of that that are in your control, and then there's some that are completely beyond your control, which is, I'm sure, contributes to a lot of that unsettling anxiety and fear, right? Right, yeah. I think uncertainty in and of itself is part of what's stressing people out right now because yeah. minute by minute, day by day, the announcements are rolling in. It's different, for example, in the States, it's different from one county and one city yes. to the to another. Um, many of, if, if you're in the Canadian situation, many of the requirements and restrictions are mere suggestions, <laughs> which to yeah. me personally is a little frustrating because... You know, they're saying, hey, close down bars, but you don't have to close down bars. And so, you know, there's pressure. Uh, you know, I know people, for example, who are still pressured into going to work. So how can we support our own mental health when everything feels uncertain and constantly changing? Yeah, I think part of part of that is getting real with the fact that that's true, right? Many people in our panic and our fear we want to kind of reject reality and we want to kind of go to a different story that we create in our head. And uh, so what's really important is to consume news, but only consume news uh, at a reasonable level and volume. And so what I uh, as well suggest to people is to pick a time during the day where it's news time and you're, you know, often I suggest maybe the end of the day is a good time so you can kind of collect the day's news. Um, but I, w I w really suggest that people put more boundaries in place around their news consumption. Um, because and, and to, to bring, uh, you know, more young people into this as well, a lot of the times people get news in more unreliable uh, places. And so uh, a lot of young people I know are getting news from social media, from TikTok, for example. Um, uh, I was just speaking with a parent who uh, who had to field some questions from their daughter about TikTok because there's a there's these videos on TikTok that talk about, um, you know, like the globe, the the world is like shutting down essentially. And so the, the mom is having to, again, like kind of mitigate a lot of the misinformation that her daughter's getting from social media. And so uh, we all uh, have a responsibility to consume media responsibly. And uh, that's really hard to do when in our, in our panic brain and in our panic mode, we want to have information and we want to know and we want to uh, have the solution. And unfortunately there is just no solution. There are many solutions. And so unfortunately those uh, all that new information is changing day to day. And so that doesn't really allow us uh, time to rest. And so when everything is that novel and unpredictable, our nervous systems don't know how to understand all of that information. And our nervous systems naturally have a threshold for which we can understand and process and uh, hold that kind of stress. And so when that's constantly changing and when there's all that novelty and unpredictability happen, happening, staying safe and secure becomes a lot more challenging. Yeah, I appreciate the reminder to consume within reason because I definitely am checking too often. I want to know the updates. I'm looking kind of at what's happening all around the world. And so I, I need to – Brandon said that to me yesterday. He's like, I think that maybe you should set a limit on being online. And that becomes even more of a challenge because I'm home and I'm like, oh, what do I do with myself? And so you have all these different suggestions like participating in a group meditation online, giving yourself permission to enjoy time alone, um, talking about your fears and worries with someone 
someone who will comfort you. So I have two questions. Where can we find or create a group meditation online? And then I'll ask you whom you might turn to with regard to fears and worries. Yeah, so maybe I'll start with the fears and worries because that, that, I think that ties in nicely with the, the team approach. Uh, you want to put people on your team who are going to help you, not hurt you. You want people on your team who are going to comfort you, not scare you. Um, and you want people on your team who are going to just be that kind of safety net who you can go to and turn to. Uh, and so I added that line about, uh, you know, assemble people on the team or get people in your corner who are who will comfort you. That's really important during this period of really, uh, you know, heightened uncertainty and, and a lot of stress that's that we're made to deal with right and i wanted to sort of also put out there is that it, this isn't a normal amount of stress that our bodies are now under and so um if you're finding that for example like you're less hungry or that like your appetite is decreasing um or that you're less likely to recognize like hunger and thirst cues or like you're noticing that your digestion's changing like that's all very normal responses to stress and so uh, that's why I would also just encourage us to think about the importance of keeping up with that routine. Uh, and so that's eating regularly, like getting dressed, um, you know, uh, keeping up with our healthy habits that we would normally uh, keep up with. And oftentimes when we think about like our bed or like the couch or like our home, like we associate that with our safe place. And uh, some for a lot of people, that means like getting into comfy clothes and then, you know, eating um, whatever they want sort of thing. Right. And so, uh, and by no means am I interested in limiting or, you know, in encouraging people to, to restrict what they eat. But what I'm saying is that it's important to be mindful of, of the ways that you're eating and the way that your uh, sleep and uh, rest and then your hunger is also just changing, like just during this period of heightened stress. Um, in terms of the uh, meditation, there's there's many different forms. So um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, the Peloton app, but there are um, some classes online that you can take there. So there are more like the structured ones. So um, there's also the Calm app. There's a lot of um, online meditations that are available through through that. And uh, I can actually share with you a code that I actually have for the Calm app. Um, if people want to check it out, it's for a 30-day free trial. Uh, and uh, it's a really great app. And I'm not being paid to say this, but it's something that I use often. It's something that I, that I find helpful. There's great sleep meditations. There's really great uh, just relaxing uh, stories for young people. Uh, there, it's it's pretty diverse in its offerings. There's music from like electronic dance artists, like so. It's it's pretty um, interesting and it's always changing. So that would be like another option. And then um, if you look online as well, there's a lot of Instagram therapists or um, folks who are just like moving their businesses online that are offering uh, free live uh, meditations and that kind of stuff. And unfortunately, I don't have you know like a, a resource list of that, but. Uh, anywhere on Instagram where, where uh, like helping professionals are, then I'm sure you can find those resources there. So we're going to put the code for the free trial of the Calm app on our website. So if you head over to the podcast section at sexwithdrjess.com, you'll be able to access that um, that code. So And these apps are so helpful. Uh, another one we've used in the past is Headspace. And yeah, it's really incredible the way it can change your whole life, change the way you feel about your body, change your relationship, change your relationship to sex when you start just being a little bit more mindful every day. It took me about four or five days to get into the Headspace app. But once I did, I immediately found, or I read the benefits of it, but the, it, it was it was a bit of a challenge to get into it initially. And also what I, I like about what you're saying is it sounds to me like there's so many other things that we can be doing right now 
to, um, I don't want to say distract ourselves, but just to, to fill our time and we have more time than we normally would have. I had a meeting with my, uh, my staff today and it, number one, it was great to get together with everyone virtually. I thought it was a nice way to connect with everyone. And it also created a, a degree of structure to our day. So I, I, I encourage the people that I work with and to, to do something that I found helpful, which was just plan out my day which is I'm going to wake up, I'm going to do what you said, which is make my bed, get dressed, do the things I normally do, even though I'm home by myself or with Jess. Uh, then I had some time to do some work. I, I'm sorry, I had some time to read, then to do some work, and then some personal time to do whatever it was. And then once again, you know, read, work, personal time, and then make dinner and call it a day so that I wasn't just sitting by my phone, sitting by my computer, waiting for the latest update about how the world is apparently coming to a <laughs> crashing end. Well, Brandon is a lot more, you're a lot more disciplined than me because as we were flying home on Sunday night and knew that we'd be going into this 14 day of uh, 14 days of isolation together, Brandon said, oh, we need to make a schedule and I think it'll be helpful and, you know, to, to exercise and eat. And so yesterday on day one, Brandon did all those things. I, I, I did not. I did 80% of them. Okay. But that's pretty good. 80% is 100% to me. No, if you can do eight, no, if you can do 80% of something, that's pretty damn good, right? Um, and so I was thinking too about d the distress of being trapped with people perhaps who don't support you. So I'm, I'm Brandon and I are pretty lucky. Well, I'm extra lucky because I get to hang out with Brandon for 14 days. Uh, but he had no comment on that one. Y'all should notice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. I'm super happy. You caught no. me, you caught me mid deep breath. No, I'm teasing. But I know that people are forced in, some people are forced into situations that maybe are either unsafe or distressful and they actually don't have a choice. So let's take a moderate situation. Let's say you're stuck with a sibling or stuck with a parent or even a roommate who, you know, makes you feel a little bit tense. How do you suggest someone like that proceed? I've thought about this a lot, actually, and it's something that I, I don't really have a concrete answer for, but it is one of those situations where you want to take stock of what is in my control and what is out of my control. Um, of course, not in your control is, you know, probably being with this person or these people, um, or maybe even just, of, and of course, all like the, the global pandemic uh, crises that are happening, right? And so those, I would say, are in the box of not in your control. And so what you want to do is get it in as much control as possible. And so find ways that you can still stay in control. And so maybe that's like going for walks. Maybe that's just taking a break. Um, maybe it's spending more time in your room. Maybe it's, um, you know, actually distracting yourself like Brandon was talking about, like focusing on um, maybe starting a hobby, those types of things. And I, I think it's really helpful. Um, and when actually when a lot of us experience stress, a lot of us kind of are pulled to keep busy. And staying busy is a way to kind of minimize that stress. But in many ways, it also kind of numbs us to, you know, the stress that's happening. And so uh, staying busy is helpful to a degree, of course. And so what I would um, sort of also encourage us to think about is that this is also an opportunity to to really interrogate, like, what is it about these people that I can't stand? And so I, I generally help people reframe, like, how can we see this as an opportunity rather than a hindrance or, you know, like the, the worst situation ever? Um, and so likely uh, people will be able to connect in some ways, right? And so it's not to say that you need to repair any broken relationships if you're not ready to do that. But I'm sure there are also ways where you can make it work. 
Yeah, maybe there are things you can do together that don't involve deep conversations at this time, right? That you maybe you can play a board game or maybe you can cook or maybe there's some way that you interact more shoulder to shoulder rather than face to face that doesn't feel as intense. And then your advice with regard to your virtual community becomes so important because you can slip into your room hopefully and FaceTime with a friend and you can text a friend for words of support or you can go on Facebook and ask people to post cute puppy and kitten pictures for you to cheer you up and I mean I'm a big fan of technology I feel that technology is too villainized because this is really an opportunity to see how technology helps us to thrive in relationships as well not just in business. And I've been noticing that many of the online courses are offering discounts and sliding scales. So you mentioned a hobby, for example, Uh, this might be the opportunity to go online and like practice a new language or learn floral arrangement or whatever it is you're into. Mm -hmm. I'm going to learn woodworking. I'm going to, I'm going to take up woodworking. Yeah. Why do I feel like all of our furniture is going to be cut (laughs) up? I have to make an immediate emergency (laughs) visit to the hospital because I lost fingers or something. Something that, something that I'll be doing is my, so my partner and I has actually bought a house uh, in Toronto here. And so we uh, are kind of under renovation for our spare bedroom. So I'm just going to kind of have this be my little like safe place where I just get to kind of isolate if I need to sort of check out a little bit. And then that can just be a way that I uh, can distract myself too. Um, one thing that I also just wanted to add was that, of course, if, if you know, these relationships that you find yourself uh, in isolation with are harmful, then of course, you don't want to push yourself right into anything that's going to um, dysregulate your nervous system to a degree that's going to be harmful for you. Um, and so that's why it's also important to le- leverage that quarantine, right? And of course, that doesn't, like you said, Jess, it doesn't have to be people that you're living in close quarters with, but can be, you know, online and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it's just, it's really challenging to, to get stock of what options do I have available when you're living in that really heightened stress mode. So getting calm first, as best as you can, uh, will really help you out for success there. I should ask a quick question about people who are kind of feeling distressed by every little symptom in their body. Um, If you know that you're healthy, but your mind wanders and you start worrying and you perhaps become very anxious and you work yourself into a fit that you're not going to be okay, how do you, do you have any tools or strategies for people to calm themselves down or bring themselves back uh, and get grounded? Yeah, the first step is to be aware of it. So you want to bring in awareness uh, all of the ways in which you're either catastrophizing or blowing something out of proportion or uh, kind of uh, making a situation bigger. Because on the other spectrum of that, there's also minimizing as well, right? And so if you're looking to change any of those thought patterns, again, the first thing you want to do is become aware of them. I call, uh, when, when people are catastrophizing, I call that monkey brain. And no, just so noticing, like when you're swinging from branch to branch and realizing like, oh, and this could be true and this could be true. Or what if this happens? And oh my goodness, then that means that this is going to happen. And so the second step will be to find ways to bring yourself back into the present moment based on what is in your control and the evidence that you have. And so uh, a way that you can simply do that is just to stick in the here and now. Of course, we we cannot predict the future. We don't have a crystal ball. So again, just that awareness of uh, the present moment is going to really help redirect our focus. When we live too much in the present, then of course that lends itself to heightened stress and anxiety and even panic. So uh, getting present and getting just based on what you know sticking in the current moment is really helpful. Uh, that can be really challenging though when we have um, you know family members or friends or you know little ones in our life who live in the future, right? And they really spend a lot of time like in that what if mode. And so what I encourage people to do is something called co-regulation. 
Um, and the basic definition of co-regulation is uh, using our calm to help someone else achieve calm as well. And so uh, if you're finding that, you know, you're, you're doing okay, but maybe a lot of other people are kind of uh, going into ma mass panic is you want to do some co-regulation activity. So things like helping other people um, come back into the present as well. And I think that tool is really helpful for, for parents or for roommates or for, you know, anyone who has little people in their lives where, again, we tend to really kind of blow things out of proportion in our, in our fear and panic. Um, those are all very normal responses to stress. So I don't want to, you know, shame anyone for having a very normal reaction to, to a very abnormal situation. Like, I think it's important to be clear that they, these are very abnormal circumstances that we're uh, having to navigate at, the, at this time. So again, it's just important to really kind of recalibrate our expectations for ourselves and then other people. And so when you say help bring somebody back to the present, how might you do that? Is it like through breathing? Is it through different physical exercises? Is it affection in some cases? Any specific suggestions, let's say, for parent to child or partner to partner? Mm -hmm. So the, the challenge here with, uh, with physical or sorry, social distancing now becoming another layer to, to this um, pandemic is the fact that uh, I would normally suggest that we use touch to, to um, initiate co-regulation. Uh, touch is a really great tool and we can see that right from very early on in our lives when um, moms and dads like put babies on their chest, right? To use touch to like bring and to soothe a child. And so uh, of course there are ways you can use safe touch and um, uh, I don't think that it's it's not realistic to, to sort of say, you know, parents can't touch their kids like during this time, but uh, as safe as possible, I would encourage um, parents, but then also just our loved ones to again, incorporate new healthy ways of touch. And so that's like hugging, that's like, you know, just soothing each other in any kind of way that we can. But then of course, being safe and practicing our, our uh, physical proximity uh, with all those. And I know that's really challenging to, to navigate. And unfortunately, I can't kind of give like the hard and fast rule of how to incorporate touch into your relationship uh, amidst COVID. But um, <laughs> uh, that it's, it, it is something to keep in mind though. And I don't want to minimize the, again, the value of touch in helping everyone else kind of achieve calm. Uh, and then of course you can use your voice. You can, uh, uh, yeah, use simple phrases such as like, it's going to be okay. Like, you know, we're going to be safe. It's we're taking the appropriate measures uh, to make sure that everything's going to be okay. Um, and so the, the main kind of um, rhyme or list that I give to people is what does it look like? What does it sound like? And what does it feel like? And so uh, look like co-regulation could look like touch. It could look like offering a softer voice. It could, it could look like, not blowing everything out of proportion. It could look like having a level three response and not a level 10 response. Um, and what does it sound like? So those are like the simple phrases that you can say to someone that might calm them down. And then what does it feel like? It's obviously going to feel a lot more regulated and a lot more natural and normal um, to, to come at it from a more stress reducing approach. You know, one other uh, piece I saw on your Instagram and folks, I'm a big fan of Jake's Instagram. It's MSW Jake uh, with a lot of really practical, action-based, solution-focused uh, advice summed up in a way that I wouldn't be able to sum it up. But you you talk about wanting to recognize this as an opportunity. I'm just going to read it rather than try and pa paraphrase. You say, I hope we recognize this pandemic as an opportunity to witness the ways in which something so small 
can disrupt and interrupt even the biggest and most entrenched patterns in living. This is awe in action. And you talk about how we can learn from this and what the upside will be in terms of learning the opportunity to slow down, to witness, um, to interrupt and name the ways our our narration of what's going on can reinforce racism, xenophobia, colonialism. What do you see as the positives that we might draw on an individual and social level from this experience? I think in our fear and in our panic, we often create a story that is not a nice one, right? And so when we don't have information, we try to get information. And when we don't have access to accurate information, we make it up. And so when we're trying to, you know, create this story in our head around, you know, what's happening, oftentimes we get it wrong. And I think it's important for us to name name that. This is our opportunity to get it right. And so that's, you know, keeping our resources factual, keeping them informational and educational and keeping them scientific. Right. And so we're not making up information. We're not making up numbers. We're not blowing things out of proportion. Again, we want to keep things very uh, realistic and very simple, but also very scientific. And so uh, I look at this as an opportunity for us to open up more conversations about the things that you mentioned, because, uh, you know, it, it really is to me, it's astounding the ways in which something that we cannot even see has the ability to really throw us all off of our game. Right. And really kind of force us to make some very new and very uh, quick decisions about how we are going to stay safe just as a community, but then also just like as a global system. And I think that this is really kind of forcing uh, governments to talk. I think it's like really forcing family members to, to plan and talk. And it's, you know, forcing us all to kind of come together in ways that uh, uh, we wouldn't if this wouldn't be true. And so I don't say this or offer this as a way to really sugarcoat what's happening or to really bypass uh, you know, the importance of, of course, like how serious this pandemic is. And so I say everything in that post that you just read, in addition to all the other things that I um, also think that people should know and people should hear. And so uh, that post doesn't live in isolation. I think it also works alongside of all the other things that I, of course, write about and, and speak about, which is the power of us coming together and, and safety and uh, nervous system regulation and nourishment and uh, really reducing the amount of trauma that, that we experience on a very global scale just as people. Um, and so uh, I was hoping that it could just be a way and a perspective shift of how we can reframe what's going on so that we can re-narrate what's going on. And so, and again, that narration, I think, uh, that I'm interested in is, is the ways that we can shift away from this idea of, uh, you know, us versus them and more like how can we together uh, come together. Yeah, I appreciate that perspective shift because I think it's really easy to look at how this individually affects us. Uh, and, you know, it's easy to be frustrated like, oh, I've, I'm out of work or I've lost gigs or I'm losing money or, my, you know, your stock portfolio is down. But in, in the wake of things, you know, for me, for example, I'm very reminded that people don't have the food they need. People don't have the shelter they need. Um, I, le I just left Jamaica where my family is, where, you know, the, the health authorities keep talking about washing your hands and not necessarily acknowledging that not everyone has running water or access to soap. And this is just their lived reality. So, um, I mean, I, th I think that being grateful takes us a long way and can help to center us and help us to live in the present moment. So I appreciate your perspective and I appreciate the reminder that this is a chance to slow down. And for someone like me, who's who's very lucky in life, uh, I do kind of appreciate this chance to slow down. Uh, obviously, yeah. I choose the life on the road. And that's like, that's the way I love to live. But I'm also, 
um, I guess, I don't want to say thankful, but very accepting of the fact that I'm in the house for the next 14 days and it is what it is. And I think I'm going to, you know, clean things up and purge and hopefully get a little bit of extra work done and a little bit more of relaxation. And, uh, and I find your posts on Instagram really, uh, reassuring, even soothing. So I encourage people to follow along. I really appreciate you taking the time. I think that your insights are very helpful to everyone out there, definitely to me. <laughs> Always just stealing free therapy on this show, right? Yeah, that's why I haven't said anything. I'm just sitting here listening, like, like little self-diagnosis. Brandon's taking notes. So thank you so much. I, I know that folks can find you on Instagram. Where else can they find you? They can find me at my clinic. We actually, unfortunately, just recently had to shut down, but I'm the clinical director of a clinic in Toronto at Young and St. Clair called Straight Up Health. And uh, at Straight Up Health, we help young people and families with uh, any mental health uh, struggles that they may be having just as a family unit, but then also individually uh, for young people. And so, yeah, you can find me at Straight Up Health at www.straighthuphealth.ca. Uh, we are currently moving all of our practices onto uh, virtual uh, teletherapy. And so we're doing phone and video sessions, which is pretty cool um, and a new way to kind of deliver the services that we've already been offering. So, um, yeah, uh, straightuphealth.ca. I'm so happy to hear that. I'm glad to see things moving online. I saw the Ontario government, we have a single payer system, folks here in Ontario, uh, has recently added a line for online telemedicine. So I see that people can have online screenings for COVID-19 on on Maple, for example, at getmaple.ca. And I think this is really a cool thing. And it's obviously we nobody wanted these circumstances to arise, but there will be some positive hopefully that comes out of it. So wherever you're at, folks, I hope you're hanging in there. Thank you so much for being with us, Jake. Much appreciated. Thanks to you both. I really appreciate it too. It's really great to connect. Thank you both for for following along and uh, for loving what I do. That's really heartwarming. Thanks. Pleasure. Thanks to, to you for listening, folks, wherever you're at. I hope you're staying safe, staying comfortable, taking care of both your physical and your mental health. And we'll be back next week with a whole new episode. Hopefully, we'll have some good news unfolding um, locally in our communities and throughout the world. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life.